Well, I wonder whether you've ever known what it feels like to be uncomfortable with who you are. I wonder whether there have been moments in your life where you've wished that you were someone different or, or your personality, your nature, your character was somehow different to how you perceive or understand yourself. Maybe you wish that emotionally, psychologically or physically that you appeared very different to the way you feel you appear. You wouldn't be on your own if you feel that way. The great apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament in the form of letters to churches spread across what, what was known then as Asia Minor. He, he wrote in Romans chapter 7 about his own battle with his inner nature. He talks about how he really tries hard to do the right things but comes up short. And even when he, he does things that he never planned to do, he still feels terribly bad about himself. In fact, he says this about himself in Romans 7 verse 34. Oh, what a miserable person I am. It's obviously not a good day for Paul, is it, on this particular day? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? There's part of me, that, that pastoral part of me wants to put my arm around Paul and say, hey mate, you're not on your own. I feel miserable sometimes about the mistakes, the errors, the, the things about my makeup that I'm not always particularly content with or happy with. But is that really what God wants for you? And is that really what God wants for me? That battle of discomfort in the inner parts, the parts that few people ever really see of our lives. I've had many moments as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian leader, where I've been disappointed with me, with the inner parts of me. To a lot of people who know me, I would come across as confident, as outgoing, as gregarious, as, as kind of a, a bit larger than life maybe, or just larger, possibly, I don't know. And I'd be, have a sense of humour that I like to engage with and I like a laugh. But you know, there are oftentimes I wish I wasn't me in the way that I come across. So when I'm in a meeting, as is often the case, and there's a discussion going on, my nature, my natural instinct it is to forge ahead with an opinion and a view. And, and then after the meeting, I think, oh, I wish I could be like that quiet chap who sat on the end of the table. And, and we were all talking, and then all of a sudden, he just said something, and we went, wow. That's not me. In fact, I've got a leadership coach who suggests to me that I need to speak less but say more. I'm still trying to figure that out, but I think I'm getting there bit by bit. And in some of those moments of my life, when I've really been discontent with aspects of my nature and personality, things that I wish I could change, I remember one particular time some years ago where feeling quite down about that, God really, really spoke to me. And he kind of said three things into my life I want to share with you today that have at periods been great reminders to me of that better picture of me that I think God wants me to have. And the first is this, I am who God made me. Whether I like it or not, I am who God made me. King David was not just a great king in Israel, as you'd know if you are a fan as I am of the Old Testament. But he was a songwriter and a poet. Uh, he was very creative. And as you know, most of the Psalms were, were words and lyrics that he created. 
And in one of the more well-known of those, in Psalm 139, he begins to explore his understanding of how God knows him and understands him. He, he says at one part, you know, there's nowhere I can go and get away from God. Even if I go to the heights of the heavens or even the depths down there, I, I can't get away from him. But in verses 13 and 14, he, he reminds us of this wonderful truth. He says, you shaped me first, inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvellously made. Now, you're looking good this morning in church, but I wonder if you stood in front of the mirror this morning and said, hey, I'm marvellously made. You know? If you did, hands up to you. But few of us do that. We might be able to say, hey, body, I'm marvellously made, or we may actually not feel comfortable with the shape that we are. We may be able to say, soul, I'm marvellously made, but some of us may not feel so comfortable with that inner part of who we are. And we live in a society that creates pressure to conform, to be like someone else, to look like someone else, to behave like someone else, to have what someone else has, to achieve what someone else has achieved. And so often that's one of the great pressures that we face in our culture and our society. And as I just explore this point for a few moments, I am who God made me, there's two little sub-points, if you like, I want to throw out there for you. The first is about identity. God made me exactly as I am. God made you in many ways exactly as you are. Identity is something that is, is formed in us without our choice in so many ways. We gain so many things through the DNA of how we were born and through our parentage and our environment. In fact, in Jeremiah 1.5, the prophet Jeremiah records how God says to him, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. But I guess it's absolutely possible that a number of us here today don't feel as comfortable with that notion of God forming us and shaping us. And we're struggling to accept the person that maybe God has in many ways made us. And that's one of the reasons I chose that song from The Greatest Showman, This Is Me. Because I think that particular song, and it's empowered by the video, demonstrates something of the challenge that many of us face when we are discontented in our personal identity. The lyrics say this at the beginning, just to remind you, I'm not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say. No one will love you as you are. Friends, there are lots of people in our city, in our towns, in our nation today who are hiding away because they don't fit the bill. They don't fit the mould. As I drive around in terms of what I do day by day in, in Christian ministry, I like listening to the radio. And I was listening just this earlier this week to a radio discussion about Love Island, but I need to put on record I didn't watch it. And I was listening to them talking to, to younger people, they certainly were presented as younger people, some of whom thought it was great and some of whom thought it was brilliant and they loved it. But there were some of even those younger people who were really uncomfortable with what it was saying about image and identity. 
that, that if you did fit a particular shape, and I need to let you know that I once had pecs, and I once had a six-pack, lost them a long time ago, but I did have them. But they were saying that unless guys look like that, and the girls who spend their day, apparently, because I didn't watch it, just to remind you, in their bikinis, looked amazing, apparently. But you know that that is a pressure on our society today. Because if you don't fit the bill, if you don't have that identity, then you need to hide away. Maybe those who have been scarred by life, who feel that I have to hide that away, as represented in the song. And I think it's a great sadness when we cannot celebrate and help each other to celebrate who God has made us. And how God sees you and how God sees me is of huge importance because we are not just anybody now. We're children of God. Those of you who have entered into a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a child of God. And if you're here and you haven't, then that's what's on offer today, a wonderful sense of identity for your life forever. Brennan Manning, an author who must not be confused for the older generation with Bernard Manning, but Brennan Manning wrote a book called Abba's Child, and he says this in it, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Everything other, every other identity is illusion. And it's almost like he's saying to us that everything else you try to project yourself as in this period of life that we live is an illusion. The only thing that's real is how God sees you, the image that he has of you. That's the true self, what God feels about us, how God sees us. And that's the battle and the challenge we have. The Apostle Paul talked about in Galatians 4 verses 6 and 7. He says this, God sent the spirit of his son into our lives, crying out, Papa, Father, that's the message version, Abba, Father. Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain, you're not a slave, but a child? God is not asking you to feel inwardly like you're slave to some expectation from him or some expectation to produce for him. You're a child. You're a child of God. And our identity is critical in understanding that that's how God sees us. When God looks at you, he says, hey, my child. And his measurement of you is nothing to do with your employer's measurement of you or your spouse or ex-spouse or even your children or your siblings or your neighbours or your friends. God says, son, daughter, child. And it's not just about identity, though. It's about originality, that God made us unique. God has never made anything the same as something else. A few years ago, it was on the news that scientists cloned a sheep, and they called it Dolly. I've not seen an uptake in cloned sheep recently. But God never created clones. If God believed in clones, he'd have made one. God made every snowdrop different, every plant. They may be similar in colour, but the reality is you measure them and you, you look at them and they're unique, even if they have similarity. He made no animal or human exactly the same. Years ago, as you know, Amanda and I, some of you know, anyway, Amanda and I pastored the Christian Life Centre in Sally Oak for 23 years until taking up this role and coming and joining this great church with the best pastor in the world, of course. 
I'll pay you later. Um, and uh, years ago, about 17 years ago, twins were born in, in the church there. Identical twins. Their names were Abigail and Jessica. Abby and Jesse for short. And I couldn't tell them apart. They were that identical, which was sometimes a little bit fun, a little bit confusing. But it was fun when Sharon said that her husband, Eric, sometimes couldn't tell them apart as well. And so to all intents and purposes, Abby and Jesse were the same and they dressed the same. And they played that game of being the same as some identical twins can do and have lots of fun. Until there was a family wedding when maybe they were, I suppose, six, seven, eight, maybe a little bit older than that. And I was only talking with Sharon about this just a couple of weeks ago when I bumped into her. And at the wedding, Jessie was so excited. She was going to dress up in a bridesmaid's dress, in a princess dress. And she was going to look beautiful and walk down the aisle behind the bride-to-be. Abby was mortified. She didn't want to wear a dress. And such extreme bribery had to take place to get her to put the dress on. And then when the ceremony and the photographs were finished, she could change into some trousers and a top that Mama bought for her. They looked alike, but they were very, very different. And sometimes we're guilty of wanting to look like somebody else, to appear to be as somebody else. And yet we forget that God believes in diversity. Do you know there are over 391,000 different types of species of plant in the world? There are 7.8 million different species of animal in the world. And there are 7.6 billion people living on planet Earth today and every single one of them is different. God has never struggled with diversity. If I asked you to draw a picture a number of different ways you would get to the limits of your capacity to express originality and creativity and diversity, but not God. As we have been speaking, thousands of little beautiful babies have been born somewhere across the world, every one of them different. And you add diversity to the world. And we need a society that celebrates that that doesn't clone an image that we all need to fit into or a way that we all need to dress or appear. And in our church context, you add diversity. The beauty of Christian community is the different textures and flavours and fragrances and views. God gave us senses to enjoy his magnificent world. And in Christian community, we need to learn to celebrate that diversity and we offer that to the world. We offer that to a world where people feel they don't fit in, where they're not celebrated for who they are, where the colour of their skin or the tone of their voice or their height or their skills or their lack of them are marked out as being less than somebody else. In the history of our planet, war and division and conflict have become a matter of the lack of ability to celebrate diversity and who we are. And the truth today is that you need to learn to celebrate who you are and let us come and join the party. And party together with knowing who you are. And for our young people, for them to feel that being who they are is a wonderful blessing to the church and to those around them. And so God spoke to me those years ago about saying, I am who God made me. But then he said something else. He said, not all that I am is who God made me. Not everything in me is what God planned or how God made me. What do I mean? Well, let me explain it by saying that 
we all have weaknesses and we all have fault lines and we all have flaws and we all have character issues that we battle with. In fact, the psalmist said that. Look at verse 15 again. He says in that psalm, you know me inside and out. You know what people see of me, but you also know what they don't see in me that I do. In fact, in the words of one of the greatest people to pick up a microphone, Cliff Richard, <laughs> you know me better than I know myself. And the reality is that there are things about us that God didn't plan, but they are part of what it means to be a human being, like fallibility. I make mistakes. I fail. I come up short at some point or another. And my fallibility is a reminder of my humanness. It reminds me that that's how I made, that there is an imperfection about how I made that won't fully be completed until the day I see him and I, be like, I become like him. We all have that battle. We looked at the Apostle Paul's struggle earlier. You have it, I certainly have it. We all were born with an inherent disability called sin. It's a bias in us that always leans towards what's wrong. That's why Paul said, when I want to do what's right, I can't do it. And when I don't want to do what's wrong, I end up doing it. It's not bias. It's like the bowling ball that, that will go one way or the other according to which way the bias, the weight in the ball is. And the skilled crown green bowler can land it right upon the marker ball. But actually for you and I, most of our life is lived trying to stop the lean. Anybody else got a lean? And we're leaning this way and we're trying to stop that lean because we're human. And we suddenly think we've made it upright and then all of a sudden there's another lean there. And walking straight and living upright is always a battle because of the lean. The lean of our fallibility, of our weakness. That's why we're people who are being made perfect. That's why we're walking with Jesus. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we're looking forward maybe to the day when all of our fallibilities dissolve in the glorious light of his presence. David's psalmist said, sinful, I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And we have to be real. And in that moment, understanding ourselves is about knowing that that's going to be a battle. And I've got bad news for you. I don't think it really ends until the day we become like him. But we're given great grace and we're given mercy and forgiveness and we're given the strength of the Spirit every day is available to us. So I want to walk with you, Lord. Help me. And then there's our fragility, which is slightly different. If our fallibility is about the mistakes we make, then our fragility is about those sensitive, tender parts of us. See, we fall into the trap sometimes of looking at somebody and feeling they're impervious in life. And because of my personality and a little bit of how I may appear, uh, people don't think that, you know, if they say something to me, if they just do it as a joke, it was only a joke. My daughter's fun. It was only banter, Dad. It was only banter. But it can hurt. We're more sensitive than we imagine. Um, Wikipedia has now made me an expert in Turkish proverbs. Well, I know one. And um, this Turkish proverb says that man is harder than iron, stronger than stone and more fragile than a rose. I've been in Christian ministry 30 years and so that means I've sat with a lot of people in a lot of situations and I've learned that the physical exterior of somebody or their success in life or their apparent personality strength can often mask a fragility in the human nature. 
And the song says, I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be, this is me. And we live with our bruises and we live with the things that make us feel quite fragile. And that's why the psalmist goes on to say in Psalm 139, towards the end of it, he kind of does this deal with God. He says to God, investigate my life. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me to the road of eternal life. See, God's knowledge of us as we are is not to keep us down. But God understands us that he might lead us forward. Job was able to say, I know the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. The Apostle Paul could say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if you're struggling today with the fallibilities or the fragility of your human nature, I've got just such wonderful news for you. God the Holy Spirit lives within you. Every second of every day, he is available to strengthen the core of your being and your identity and your understanding of who you are. And yes, you might feel disappointed, but you just need to know he sees you through the lens of grace and goodness today. And his goal and his desire is to shape you into the image of Christ. Not a physical image, but into the character of Christ in your life and my life. One more thing that God said to me at that particular time in my life. And that is that I am not yet all that God has made me. I'm not yet everything God has built into my life the capacity to be. If we go back to that, that psalm in verse 18, we'll see the, these words. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you, the days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. There's nothing that surprises God. There's not a moment in your life where something surprises you, that somehow God in his heavenly council sits there wherever he sits and however that happens and says, I didn't see that one coming. And there's not something that's going to happen this week or this month or this year he's not already aware of. There's something that God has sown in you, which is an eternal capacity. In the Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes that God has sown eternity into the hearts of men. It means that actually we are eternal beings. Now, my boyhood hero was Captain Scarlet, showing my age. He was indestructible. But the reality is that we are indestructible beings because when Christ came and inhabited our lives by faith, he gave us the seed, the gift of eternal life. And he is trying to develop us into people that know that we live beyond the boundaries and the borders of merely this life. One of the lies our culture sows into us is we've got to get it all in in 70 years. And if we don't experience it in this life, then we've lost out. Folks, this is just a drop in the ocean. And the first thing I want you to see about this is the, the possibility, the opportunity rather, of what God can do in your life. God has so much more ahead for you. He's already paved a pathway ahead for you. Proverbs tells us that in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. I look over the course of my life, I'm into my 50s now, I look over the course of my life and I'm sometimes astonished 
at how good and how faithful God has been. That's got me to where I am with the blessing of my family around me and, and whatever else. But it hasn't been without its challenges. It hasn't been without me stepping off the pathway and somehow finding maybe God has got me back on track. But he's doing that with you. He's doing that with me. He's working towards a future for you with opportunity. And the opportunity to live who you are, not with arrogance, but with confidence to say that because I know Christ and I'm living out the life of a child of God, there is some sense of opportunity it presents in the world around me. There are hundreds of people in your world who want to live with assurance and confidence. And they may project all manner of things, but what we will never see is the insecurity. The human spirit is so subject to insecurity, all of us. And God wants to present opportunities for you and for me that as we understand who we are, we project that into our world. I'm a child of God today. You can have your opinion of me. You can think I'm good, I'm bad, or I'm indifferent. And that does matter to me because I'm human. But I am a child of God today. And that is what defines me. But the last thing is about possibility. Because I believe in a God of possibility. I'm passionately convinced in a God for whom all things are possible. One of my favourite verses is Ephesians 3.20. comes at the end of a prayer that I love that Paul prays for the church at Ephesus. Where Paul says this now to him who is able to do, do you want the King James Version? Exceeding abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. How does he get that exceeding abundantly stuff, that immeasurably more, the NIV says, stuff? This is how he gets it. According to his power that is at work within you. To him be glory in the church. I want to say to you, if you think you're the worst Christian in the room, and there is somebody here who's the worst Christian in the room, I'm not sure who it is, but... We're going to vote on that when Leon's left the room, aren't we? <laughs> if you think you're the worst Christian in the room, it's a lie. You do not understand the enormous possibilities in your life. You say, well, I've had my life. I want the young people to have their go. Moses said that at 80 and performed the greatest feat of his life in leading three million people across a sea and through a desert because there is enormous possibility when we believe I can be who I am. He stood at a bush one day, a burning bush. He said, who am I? And God says, I don't care how you see yourself. I see you as a man I can use. And the possibilities of what God can do. There's a line, a couple of lyrics in that song that we played earlier from the, from the musical. It says, I won't let them break me down to dust. I know there's a place for us, for we are glorious. And the Bible says, I has not seen and ear has not heard, and he has never entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Folks, if you or I could just see for one second, maybe just a couple of seconds, just see how God sees us, our lives will be changed forever. All those doubts in ourselves, all those lies of the enemy that we've believed, all those words that other people have spoken over us, all those times other people have pushed us to one side. If you could see how glorious you are as a child of God, do you know what it costs to get you there? It costs the blood of his son. 
who came and lived a spotless life for 33 years before he hung on a cross for you and for me so that you could say today, I am a child of God. My sin has been forgiven, past, present and future. I live with a promise and an inheritance. Eternity is sowed within me. There's a seed of hope and whatever this life throws at us, our future is glorious. Because folks, you are not defined by your history, you're defined by your destiny. You are not defined by your parenthood. You're not defined by your past relationships that went wrong. You're not defined by that bankruptcy or that broken relationship with your siblings. You are defined by the fact that today you're a child of God. And you have eternity in your heart. And he's leading you forward. And you do not see and I do not see. Those moments in our day when the hand of God keeps us moving forward. Because he has not given us salvation and retreated to some palace in the skies. He's come and he's lived within us. And every second when I forget him, he's not forgotten me. That's what the psalmist says in Psalm 139. I can't flee from your presence. I can't get away from it. My prospects, my hope, my identity, who I am is nailed in Jesus to the cross. It's a statement over my life today. There's a verse in the Bible, Lee, maybe you can get the, the guys and the girls to come back and lead. There's a statement in the Bible that blows my mind. When the Apostle Paul, talking about you and me, says that we are heirs of God. Isn't that remarkable to think that God's kingdom is our inheritance? That is almost more than I can begin to believe or imagine. But he says something more. He says, and you are joint heirs with Christ. Hang on a second. I'm somehow joint heir with Christ. Paul, you need to, need to convince me. So he says in Ephesians 2 that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Do you know that we're going to rule in the kingdom to come? Did you, do you know that about yourself? Do you know you're sitting next to royalty? Just nudge them. They're real, but they're royalty. They're eternal royalty because we're sons of a great king. And our future... Our destiny is what can challenge and change our image of ourselves. And you may not be all that you wish you could be, but you are far more than you ever imagined possible. Many years ago, Hans Christian Andersen wrote a very famous story. We know it as the story of the ugly duckling. And in the story of the ugly duckling, this, this shell breaks and out comes this tardy little grey creature. And starts to try to swim with the ducks, but doesn't feel at home with the ducks. Is rejected by the ducks, but just tags along behind in the, in the distance. Trying to understand who this ugly duckling is. Of course, in Hans Christian Andersen's story, what happens is eventually in the story, the tardy grey duck just comes around the corner as it starts to shed its grey little wings. And it sees those royal swans in the distance starts to look at itself and realise somehow I was never born to be a duck I'm a swan and as it sheds those grey feathers it's drawn in by those other swans and eventually becomes this glorious magnificent royal swan folks you haven't yet seen who you're becoming the Bible says when we see him we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is we need to see ourselves in his reflection, not ours. Don't view yourself in the mirror in your bathroom. 
if this were a Bible, forgive me, it's a digital one. View yourself in the picture of who Jesus is because you're being made like him. And in eternity, you'll be just like him. You're special today. We're glorious. Come on, church. We're glorious people of God today. We're the sons and daughters of God. Stand to your feet. Hannah and Leah are going to lead us in this song and we're the glorious children of God. Why don't you close your eyes with me for just one moment and allow God the Holy Spirit who lives within you just to stir within you that sense of, wow, I'm a glorious child of God today. And my weaknesses and my fallibilities and the brittleness of my nature, well, that's being human. But you know what? I am more than that. Can you spread your wings if you'll allow me to use that in glorious worship today of the one who's called you to be his child? Can you give thanks to him as we declare in this song that the king has declared us his children and I am who you say I am? Can you sing this song today as a truth over your life? You may not feel it. Hey, Feelings are part of that brittle nature. Truth is part of who you are today. The truth of God's word. As the guys leaders, can you sing it over your life and declare, I am who you say I am. I'm a child of God in my father's house. There's room for me. I am a child of God.